You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Peter shares the gospel, and Cornelius and all those in his house put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. But his gifts to the poor, his giving of the leftovers got God's attention. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if I really believe that, if we really believe that, then we'd be giving regularly, consistently, generously. Do you model after God's heart by your generosity? In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches you the power of giving. When you give, it not only blesses you, but it blesses the person of whom you're giving to. God's nature is to give generously. When you give, you're modeling after His ways. Pastor Danny encourages you that it's always more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. Who can you reach out to this week and give to? Your time, talents, and treasures are a few of the many ways that you can give. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 24 as he continues his message, God's Law of Leftovers. Chapter 7 opens up this way, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. A guy named Achan saw some things, took them, uh, hid them in his tent. He did it, obviously, with his family's full knowledge, so they were kind of in on it with him. The next stop is Ai. They get their tails kicked in Ai. Israelites die. Joshua's down on the ground. He's praying. He's like, what, what, what is going on? God says, not time to pray. Get up. There's sin in the camp. And Joshua goes and calls out to the people of Israel, and nobody confesses. And it goes from all Israel, then the tribe that Achan's a part of, then the clan, and it goes down, down, down. And finally, finally, Joshua says to Achan, give glory to God. In other words, come clean, boy. God knows. And he was the one that had sinned. He confesses it, but now (laughs) it's a little too late. They ended up, his whole family, being destroyed. Now, what's so interesting about that story is God says once they get the victory at Ai, because they do, he says in chapter 8, verse 2, you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. There again, you see the same principle. Honor God with the first fruits. First stop in the promised land is Jericho. God says, no, no, don't take anything from Jericho. It goes into my treasury, my treasury. First fruits go to the Lord. But then the second stop is Ai, and God says, have at it. Honor him with the first fruits. He wants to bless us. That's what he wants to do. 
Not only was Achan taken down, Balaam taken down by greed, one of the greatest servants, or one of the servants of the greatest, one of the greatest um, Old Testament prophets, Gehazi, who served under Elisha. Remember the story, Naaman the Syrian gets healed of his leprosy, and uh, Naaman is thinking he's going to have to pay something, you know, for his healing, for the services of the prophet, but Elisha refuses to take anything. And when Naaman starts to go back home, Gehazi chases him down, catches up with him, lies through his teeth, says, as soon as you left, some, some students from the school of the prophets showed up. And you know, they're just college students, so they, uh, they're needy. Could you spare some things for them? And of course, Naaman, Naaman, not knowing the guy's lying, says, sure, and he gives him some things, and Gehazi goes back, hides him, puts him in his tent, and then he goes back to serve Elisha, and God gives Elisha a word of knowledge about what he's done. He said, where'd you go? And he lies again. And then Elisha says, may the leprosy that was on Naaman the Syrian now be on you. And God struck him with leprosy. In a couple of weeks, we'll get to uh, Acts chapter five and one of the saddest stories in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira. And they sell a piece of property as they're led by the Lord to do so. And others are being led by the Lord to do so. And they're bringing the monies and putting it at the feet of the the apostles. In other words, they're giving it to the leadership of the church. And uh, they're distributing it to anyone as he had need. And for a period of time in that early church, there were no needy persons among them. Let me read the verses just before the story of Ananias and Sapphira. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. It mentions Joseph, who was also called Barnabas, son of encouragement, became a partner with the apostle Paul. He sold a field he owned, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And in that context, in such a great time in the early church, I mean, imagine being a part of that church. And yet the very next verses are two members of that church, Ananias and Sapphira, allowing greed to grip them. And it cost them their very lives. Jesus said about the Pharisees, they loved money and they were full of greed and self-indulgence. And last but not least, I'll just mention it was the downfall of one of the 12. 12 men handpicked after Jesus prayed all night. One of them, Judas Iscariot. He was keeper of the money bag. He was the treasurer for Jesus and the apostolic team. And he used to take for his own personal use without anybody knowing it. Well, God knew it. Jesus knew it. And so we need to be careful. So let me just give you a few practical things. Uh, Truths from the scriptures regarding the love of money. It's a root of all kinds of evil. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. It can become a God in one's life. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So it can become a God. The desire, uh, get this one, the desire is never satisfied. Never satisfied. One of the richest guys we know of in, in history, a guy named Solomon, 
I mean, he had it, boy. He's rich beyond your wildest dreams. And he writes basically his testimony, and God inspired it by his Holy Spirit. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And one of the things he writes in there, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is whoever loves money never has money enough. Never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. I mean, you could be a billionaire, a billionaire, and you still, more. You want more. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. The desire is never, ever satisfied. It leaves you discontented. Leaves you discontented. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Sometimes the greatest times of temptation is after we do get blessed financially. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So be content. It chokes spiritual fruit. It can choke spiritual fruit from your life. Parable of the seed and the sower, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And it can keep somebody from being saved. Remember the story, Matthew 19, the rich young ruler. One gospel writer tells us he was rich. Another gospel writer tells us he was young. And another one tells us he was a ruler. And so we've dubbed him the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, I've kept those since I was a boy. He says, well, there's one more thing you need. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And you will have great riches in heaven. Now, God doesn't tell everybody to do that to be saved. Why did he tell the rich young ruler? Because money was his God. And he needed to repent and give up that God in order to follow the true God. And he couldn't be saved because he needed to repent of that before he would be saved. And it says, when he heard what Jesus said, he went away sad, sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, his disciples, and he says, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me read you one more. Didn't put this one on the PowerPoint. Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink. Be merry, retire young. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, let me last few minutes give you some biblical counsel and what I call miscellaneous truths regarding 
uh, giving. One I've already said, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out on blessing. Missing out on blessing. And you're not honoring the Lord. Give consistently from your leftovers. And if, if again, you don't have leftovers right now, you continue to honor the Lord with the, with the first fruits, Second Corinthians will come true. I put 1 Corinthians up there because that's the Apostle Paul giving instruction to the Corinthian church, and he did this in a lot of churches. He took up special offerings for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And the principle he lays down there, he says, here's my advice. Every Lord's Day, every Sunday, and that was the day the church would meet, set aside an amount in keeping with your income, in keeping with your income. And so what he's saying there is giving them a principle to give consistently. And this was over and above first fruits. This, these were special offerings for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And that's what our text is talking about, the leftovers. And again, if you don't have leftovers now, you keep honoring God with the first fruits. You will have leftovers one day. Give according to how God has blessed you. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12. Here's what it says. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God estimates and, and values based on how much we keep, not on how much we give. Realize that everything we have is from God. Great text here. Got to take time. Look at these real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Verse 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase that all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's a great, great passage. It helps us to get in our mind and, and understand and never forget, I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for God. I would have nothing. One more. First Chronicles. I love this scripture. First Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 3. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. And he mentions some amounts. And you go down, First Chronicles. I'm just going to jump down to verse 14. After David gives all this praise to the Lord, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your hand. We're foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow. 
Lord our God, all this abundance that we provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. All of it belongs to you. So David had that mindset. And you ought to get that mindset. Never forget, if if it weren't for God, we would have nothing. Giving is investing in heavenly treasure. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm going to read 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Again, every time we give in the Lord's name and to honor him, our bank account goes up in heaven. We truly are investing in heavenly treasure. And I wanted to throw this one in. Giving gets God's attention. I won't read the passage, but Acts chapter 10 is the passage about a Roman centurion named Cornelius and gets a vision and God says to him through this angelic vision, your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before the Lord. Got God's attention, his giving. And you know what happens next? God gives him further revelation of truth, sends Peter to his house and Peter shares the gospel And Cornelius and all those in his house put their faith in Jesus Christ and then they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. But his gifts to the poor, his giving of the leftovers got God's attention. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if I really believe that, if we really believe that, then we'd be giving regularly, consistently, generously. Now, I want to close have one more scripture. I'm going to give you as part of this local fellowship some suggestions when you are looking to do something with the leftovers in giving. Our four kids ministry is a great ministry to give to. Now, I'm not trying to single out one ministry over any other one, but our four kids ministry is specifically ministry that targets orphans and orphans in our own backyard, in our own community. And so, giving to the four kids ministry and you can go on their website. I think there's pretty sure there's a link from our website. And if you like to, you can go on their website uh, or go through our website and it'll tell you how you can give. And, and my suggestion would be if you can do it, become a monthly giver, become If you want to give one time, that's between you and the Lord. But if you're able to, after honoring God with the first fruits, with the tithe, and we ought to do that with every paycheck. And then when you have the leftovers, one place you can really honor the Lord and see some real practical fruit of ministry done is the four kids ministry. Our special needs fund. I am so blown away. I love to tell this. And I, even if you've heard it, some of you have been around a long time and you've heard it a lot of times, but when we started taking our special needs offerings years ago, back at the warehouse, our special needs is our benevolence fund. And it's a fund. All right. And from that fund, We use monies to help people primarily who are part of this fellowship. You're a a part of this fellowship and you've fallen on tough times financially. 
You can't pay your mortgage, perhaps. You lost your job, whatever it is, you know. And uh, we're able to help people. And we do it consistently. And it's, it's the monies from the special needs offering. When we first started it back in the warehouse, we said we'll do it. And we designated one Sunday a month. I, I think it was like the first Sunday of the month. And we had... We, when we used to pass an offering during the service, we used to do that, believe it or not. We inherited, when I took over as pastor, these offering bags. You know, I was used to offering plates. We had these offering bags. And so we had the ushers ready, and uh, we did our first special needs benevolence fund offering, first one. And I forget how much came in, but it, it, was, it was encouraging. Now, we weren't as many as far as the numbers back then of people, but it was still a good offering. And then the next month, we took another offering. And we'd already spent some money helping some people, and the fund still had some in it, but this built it up even more. And I forget how many times we did that, but somewhere along the way, not too far down the road, on those Sundays where we do the special needs offering, we realized we have more than what we right now need in the special needs fund. So we went to the church and the church body, and we said, look, here's what we think we need to do. We're not going to take the offerings the first of every month, the one Sunday every month. What we'll do is when it starts to get down to the bottom and we need more, then we'll come and we'll announce we're going to take our special needs offering because the fund is running low. When's the last time we took a special needs offering? We haven't. Joe, we haven't done it once, have we? Not once. I remember not too, was it last year or sometime? This is our business guy here I'm talking to. It was getting down pretty low, and I was that close, that close to coming to the body and saying, our special needs, our benevolence fund is almost empty. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, some people gave. I think some, one person gave a significant check, if I remember right. And I don't know who it was. I just know the bottom. I know the figures. I don't look at who gives what. Um, but it's a great way to end this service tonight. We're not going to take an offering not, not, I, I, to be able to tell a story like that. That's been years and years. And the reason we have not had to take another offering or ask for that fund to be replenished is because people in the body are regularly doing that. That's another place you can give. And if you didn't know about that, there's another place. So the four kids ministry, special needs. And all you do is mark your envelope or you can mark it if you, if you do it online, which I do now, and it'll give you the opportunity to put a memo there. You just put a memo, special needs, and it'll go to the special needs fund. Right, Joe? Am I right about that? Okay. And then my wife and I are so blessed. I was going to tell you some of the people we support, but I don't think I need to do that. But we're able to support some other ministries I, one I'll just go ahead and mention, Gospel for Asia, we've been supporting for how many years now? But the nice thing is, God's blessed us in honoring him with the first fruits all these years, and now he's blessed us with leftovers, and we're able to take those leftovers and divide them up, and uh, it's, just, it's just a blessing. I'm getting goosebumps just, just mentioning it right now. Last scripture. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And if you have a testimony about tithing or giving, write it out for us. Write it out for us. I'd love to have that. I'd love to have that and put in a file. And maybe, maybe one of the other services will even have you come up here and, and read it or share it. Now the challenge is let's do it. If you're not doing it, I'm telling you, you're just missing out on blessing because it is more blessed 
to give than to receive. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Deuteronomy. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book. Deuteronomy was written at an interesting time in the Israelites' history. They were ending their time of wandering in the wilderness, and they were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land that they'd anticipated for years. God's promises included in the book of Deuteronomy were a reminder to the people then and are a refresher for us too, that God wants us to be faithful to Him. When your loyalty lies with God, then He's freed up to bless you richly in the way that you go. Do you want or care about God's blessing? If you'd like to hear more about this from Pastor Danny's teachings in Deuteronomy, or if you'd like to explore other series from the Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. Simply go to the Resources tab and click on the Teachings link. While you're browsing our website, you can also learn more about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Join us next time for more from Deuteronomy. Pastor Danny will continue to bring this book to life and help you grow in your understanding right here on The Living Word.